In the early 1990s, when the Institute of Christ the King was a very young foundation and was experiencing the challenges and the hardships of every young foundation, our Prior General was inspired to adopt a traditional Roman custom of a novena in preparation for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And he began the custom of consecrating the Institute entirely to Mary Immaculate on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th. And this consecration, which is not only a, a prayer, it's a way of life. It has indeed uh, been that which has made the Institute grow to what we know today. One of our friends in the Roman Curia once told our Prior General that he had personally seen how Mary interceded on behalf of the Institute almost visibly. And if today we see that the, church, that the Institute has gained the pontifical right status, if we see more and more vocations to the canons, the oblates, the sisters, if we see today that there are more and more bishops who want us to begin apostolates in their diocese around the country and the world, if we see that even in this time of pandemic, there are more faithful now coming to our apostolates now more than ever before, we attribute that to our Blessed Mother's intercession and to this consecration to Mary under the title of her Immaculate Conception. This consecration, again, is not simply a prayer that we say, but it is meant to be a way of life, an ideal that we strive to live through our daily prayers, but through our daily actions, through our, our works of mercy, through um, little deeds of charity, through trying to encourage one another and plant seeds of faith to convert hearts to Christ and to extend his kingdom. So, dear friends, there's something very profound at work here during this novena. And so I commend you for your presence here. I thank those of you who are tuning in from, uh, from far and wide through the internet. And I invite you to have great confidence and great faith that if we are faithful to our prayers, if we are faithful in offering up our daily sufferings, our headaches, if we are faithful to the duties of our state of life, if we try to accomplish the ordinary things of life in an extraordinary way, that is with great faith, hope, and charity, that indeed, just as God uh, uh, made a virgin to bring his son into the world, so also will God use devotion to this virgin as a way to bring more and more hearts to Christ and to Holy Mother Church for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This year we are focusing in these themed sermons on the motherhood of Mary, because we live in a godless society, in a, in a world which is so sadly um, stricken by plagues which um, attack the very foundation of the family. We live in a world which suffers from gender, from gender ideology, from a confusion over the very de definition of marriage. We live in a world in which contraception and abortion are rampant. And so we need today, more than ever before, we need to focus on the motherhood of Mary because just as Jesus came to save the world 2,000 years ago through the motherhood of Mary, so will he bring about the triumph of his kingdom through the motherhood of Mary. And tonight we are focusing on Mary as the mother of the church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. The supernatural. We live in a world which is forgetful and therefore largely blind to the supernatural. 
Many see the Catholic Church merely as a humanitarian organization. They see the Church as the Vatican Bank, or as a political advocate for world peace or for some other thing. But the true reality of the Church is much more profound. St. Paul speaks of the Catholic Church, founded by Christ, as his own mystical body. Each baptized person is spiritually incorporated into Christ. Christ who is the head of this body. Baptism makes us members of his mystical body, just as arms and fingers, the legs and toes are members of the physical body. And so this means that we members are called to represent Christ, our head, and our words, actions, and attitudes. Howsoever we treat one another, we treat Christ himself. And when our neighbor sees us, he or she should see in us something which reflects Christ our head, because we are members of his mystical body. Now, Pope St. Leo the Great, he develops this theme of the body and the light of Mary. This fifth century Pope, he says that just as the birth of the body's head is also the birth of the body and all of its members, fingers, toes, etc., so also is Mary at once the mother of Christ, the Son of God, and mother of the members of his mystical body, which is the Church. And in that same fifth century, St. Augustine was saying that Mary is the mother of the members of Christ because Mary cooperated with charity in the divine plan for the birth of the church. So just as Mary was the mother of Christ, not only in giving him birth, but she was his mother through all of his years at Nazareth. And then she was his mother during his public ministry as he walked throughout Judea and Galilee. And she was his mother, especially among Calvary, so also did Mary contribute to the forming of the church in her own way, always subordinate to Christ, who is the head of this mystical body. So the church is born from the pierced side of Jesus crucified, St. Augustine tells us. And that same blood and water which poured forth in that moment, on Good Friday, as St. John tells us, the same blood and water are the saving waters of baptism and the precious blood of the Holy Eucharist. And in that moment when the church was born from the side of Christ, like Eve was born long ago from the sleeping side of Adam, well, in that moment, Jesus, he turned to his mother, who stood faithfully and lovingly at the foot of his cross, and he said, Woman, behold your son. And to St. John, who was priest and bishop, he said, Son, behold your mother. And from that moment, Mary goes on to mother the early church. Mary is gathered with the apostles in the upper room for those nine days, from the ascension of Christ until the coming of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. You see that beautiful scene in the movie, The Passion of Christ, when Peter, after denying our Lord, runs to Mary and and ask forgiveness for Mary at that moment. 
Imagine the apostles who had abandoned Christ, they must have come to Mary and asked for forgiveness. She was the mother of mercy to them, the first priests and bishops of the church. And there in the upper room during those nine days when the first novena was born, in that time of fear and uncertainty for the apostles, Mary is a motherly model, a model of prayer, patience, and perseverance. Christ decided to go to heaven ahead of his mother. And there was a reason. Because Christ wanted Mary to remain on earth for some 15 years, as tradition has it, after his ascension into heaven and before her own assumption. And why did Mary remain on earth? So that just as she had been mother to the, the physical Christ, so she might continue as mother of the mystical Christ, his church, in the church's infancy. And the history of the young church, as described in the Acts of the Apostles and the, the letters of St. Paul, well, this young church surely needed a mother's loving care. And since her assumption, Mary continues to mother the church from heaven, where she is our powerful intercessor, with her divine Son. Saints tell us that just as Christ is the universal mediator with the Heavenly Father, so is Mary our intercessor and the mediatrix with her Son. Mary has shown herself to be the mother of the Church in our modern times. Mary has appeared time after time with messages about how we can be better members of the mystical body of her son. For example, at Fatima, St. Jacinta Marto, she told her sister, her, her cousin, Sister Lucia, quote, Our Lady can no longer hold back the arm of her beloved son from the world. It is necessary to do penance. If people change their ways, our Lord will still avail the world. But if they do not then the chastisement will come. End of quote. So we see Mary, the mother of the church, as a mother of mercy, admonishing us, telling us to take the message of the gospel seriously, especially today, because indeed the forces of hell are unleashed upon our modern world. So, as we invoke Mary, we must also ask ourselves, how are we going to live up to this, this invocation of Our Lady as Mother of the Church? Well, I would suggest this, that we are to, to pattern our lives on the life of Mary by the practice of her motherly love. Remember that a novena is not simply about prayer. It's about living that prayer in action each and every day. So how can we imitate Mary? Well, we can try to put into practice Mary's motherly love. This means that we become more than ever aware of other people's needs, as was Mary. How often you and I, we are blind to the needs of people around us. We're too distracted by the trinkets, the toys, and the trifles of this world. Because we are distracted, needy people, they go without their needs being met. 
And so let's be more aware of other people's needs, including the, the needs of the people around us. That's what Mary did. Mary responded to those needs. She went, we are told, with haste to help her cousin, St. Elizabeth. Mary was attentive. Mary went with haste. She was outgoing. And also, the practice of Mary's motherly love means that we must grow in compassion. We must grow in compassion. It means that when we see suffering, whether physical or spiritual, we must strive to do what we can to alleviate other people's pain. Somewhat like Simon of Cyrene, who took some of our Lord's cross upon his own shoulders, and Veronica, who wiped his bloody face with her own veil. That is compassion. Taking the sufferings of others upon, our, upon ourselves for the love of Christ. And if we do that, then indeed we can be instruments of grace to touch that person's heart. God can use us to bring perhaps the grace of conversion to someone, to bring them joy and that peace which only Christ can give. And so it is up to us to be attentive to other people's needs, to seek to alleviate, to fulfill those needs, and thirdly, to alleviate the pain that, that people around us are experiencing. That is compassion, and that is truly what Mary's motherly love is for us. And as we, her children, we are called to imitate our mother in how we treat our brothers and sisters, our fellow members in the mystical body of Christ, and all of those who are called to become mystical members of that mystical body of Christ. And finally, Mary, as mother of the church, she gives us great hope for our future. Think of it. God has given us Mary as the first member of the church in whom are fulfilled all of God's promises for the destiny of the whole church. Mary was, we could say, the first. She was the first to receive the fruits of Christ's death on the cross because she was immaculately conceived and she was made full of grace in view of the future sacrifice of her son Jesus on the cross. In this way, we could say Mary is the first among those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Mary was also the first member of the church to follow Christ, her son, with her body and soul into heaven. So, God has made Mary a pledge. Mary is a guarantee that God will make good the promises he has made to all of us in the church. So like Mary, we too can become saints according to God's plan for us. Like Mary, we too can be made worthy to be admitted to heaven with our soul, but also with our body because our body is meant to rise again from the dead and the general resurrection on the last day. So where the mother goes, the faithful children will surely follow. And so let us then ask Mary, mother of the church, for her daily prayers, for her maternal guidance, that our minds, our hearts, and our souls, that we can truly always choose to say yes to God as she did, to say yes to God even when it's difficult. 
Mary can help us. If we ask her daily, Mary will help us to be more attentive, more charitably outgoing, and more compassionate to those around us. So that one, one day, we can be made worthy to share in that eternal happiness, which is now perfectly hers and the heavenly kingdom of Christ her Son, our Head, and our King. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.